Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and thinks that whatever referee Kevin Friend is being paid, it's too much. Wait. <laughs> I'm Kevin Day and he is Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, seriously, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Uh, we don't like to criticise referees on this show. The, the, one, the one on Saturday was bad enough. Uh, he looked like he was on some sort of ant and deck, make a dream come true. <laughs> but he was new, first game, so you make allowances. But seriously, Kevin Friend, never mind VAR, it should be a panel of football fans. No, Palace fans. Every decision... Kevin Friend makes in any game there should be three Palace fans reviewing it and just to save time they can say it's wrong yes seriously anyway apart from that Kevin how are you you alright I'm I'm very good uh, yeah because the Baroness has got me a Colin the Caterpillar uh, advent calendar so I'm oh. I'm, I'm like a, I, I am like I'm just a big kid she knows how to press your buttons doesn't she <laughs> that, that, that she sounds. does <laughs> I just point out we had a we had a Zoom meeting with producer guy yesterday about something we'll tell you about later, and he said, "Can we can we stop mentioning Wonky Chomp so much because they're getting free publicity?" And now we've gone straight in with Colin the Caterpillar. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get my advent calendar today. Actually, I might even I might even cheer myself up by putting the decorations up, which is uh, I might do that. And you're off to West Ham today, aren't we? Because we're we're recording after um, Palace were robbed uh, last night and before. Uh, Brighton have an inevitable nil-nil draw with West Ham. <laughs> yes, yeah. Look, looking forward to it. Um, I, I, I much prefer going to Upton Park. You know, proper ground and proper proper places to eat and drink around it as well. There's nowhere proper. Yeah, nowhere decent uh, at the London Stadium. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's 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 a magnificent piece of architecture. It's just not a football stadium. Yeah, there are there are a couple of places away from Stratford that are quite nice, and the walk by the canals is is quite nice. But that away end, it's just it's just the way it sort of kinks around. There's a sort of slight dog leg, so the away bit is is further away from the pitch even than the rest of the fans are. But yeah, never mind. Let's let's perhaps we should start the pod here. We're two minutes ten seconds in, and we haven't. We haven't mentioned football finance, um, except the amount of money Kevin Friend is overpaid. So it's Newsday, Kieran. and we've got quite a few news stories, including uh, one of the bizarrest we've had for a long time coming up, uh, which involves Bayern Munich, um, uh, involves Saint Etienne. I beg your pardon. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. But in the meantime, it, I don't know how we know this, but the Premier League and the EFL are in secret talks to remove parachute payments. So I would suggest, Kieran, that those talks aren't as secret as the Premier League and the EFL think they may be. 
Yeah, well, this was a story in The Guardian, and it, it struck me as a bit odd at the time because I, I thought that everybody knew that talks were taking place because they had been encouraged to uh, have a word with each other. Um, but this is broadly linked to the um, proposals of the fan-led review mm. um, and the the independent regulator. Now, you know, my view is that when it comes to disputes, the, the independent regulator wants to take a similar position to that of the Bank of England and to be a, a regulator of last resorts, i.e. sort it out amongst yourselves. If you can't sort it, we will come in and we will effectively adjudicate, we will give guidance, um, but we would rather that both parties come to some form of agreement. Um, the the EFL seem to want um, to have parachute payments abolished, which, which seems very strange for, for two reasons. A, clubs that have just been relegated to the EFL are in danger of going bust, and B, Ooh. the EFL have parachute payments themselves, which... If you if you get relegated to the national league, you get two years worth of parachute payments, and that was voted for by um, EFL club owners. And you know, my view is that they are they are a requirement if you've got big gaps between divisions, which we have. So they are that they are a clumsy solution to a, a much broader problem. Um. So the, the EFL was initially opposed um, and was in the, uh, shall we say, the sneery camp towards the regulator, but mm. did a U-turn shortly before the, the, it was published. Um, and, and in terms of the, the overall issue in, in respect to parachute payments, here, here's a problem. The, the average wage in the championship in 2010, based on my calculations, £6,400 a week. The average wage in the championship by the time we got to 2019, £16,300 a week. And the the EFL clubs are saying, well, you know, we we are in financial distress. Absolutely, fully understand that. Agree with that totally. Um, and therefore, we want you to give us money. Now, asking somebody to give you money when you are paying players an average of sixteen grand a week doesn't look too great. Um, and therefore, you could say, well, hold on, why do we not have wage caps in the championship? It's because club owners voted to not have wage caps in the championship. So there's, it, it's uh, it's not an easy issue to come to a sensible solution with. But what we are getting is a bit of uh, uh, a bit of sort of yeah, sound bites coming from people on, on both sides of the divide, and yeah, having secret talks or whatever form of talks and getting to some form of solution. Because my my personal view is parachute payments are for too long. And they are too high, but having them per se is not actually a huge problem if they achieve their original objective, which is to prevent clubs being relegated from the Premier League going bust. And to date, they've that's actually achieved that objective. So, are the EFL not proposing some other form of compensation? And and the second question is, what would happen to the money? Because surely that just makes the Premier League richer then, doesn't it, if, if parachute payments aren't being made? Well, the, the, the aim of the EFL is that they want 25% of the combined TV deal of oh, the Premier correct. League and the EFL. So it's, so the, the two things are linked. Um, and you know, when we come to a story a bit later, um, we will see what is the response from clubs, some of whom have only just got to the Premier League after mm. a long absence uh, to that particular proposal. 
Well, you, that neatly combines two things because uh, Leeds have just got to the Premier League after a long absence. And you also mentioned Tracy Crouch fan-led review and uh, Leeds United suggesting that parts of that fan-led review were Maoist in their approach, which is a bit of a surprise. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty crass in my view. Um, Colton Cole was criticised at the weekend for um, making reference to uh, the Holocaust and mm. football. And yeah, and he said, yeah, I, I accept that. Yeah, and he, and he apologised and that's fine. Um, yeah, to say, to say that this is Maoist, where, you know, the Maoist regime um, under the Great Leap Forward did cause the, you know, resulted in the death of many millions of people. So to try to link that to um, fo- a football fan-led review recommendation does seem particularly crass from Angus Kinnear, the, the Leeds United uh, the Leeds United chief exec. Um, but we are now seeing a lot of owners using a variety of vehicles to take a pop at this particular proposal. We've seen mm. it from Christian Perslow. We've seen it from Steve. Steve Parrish was likening yeah. it to North Korea. Yeah. Um, it, we've seen Karen Brady saying it's anti-competitive. Um, it, it's not. Um, and also that they've been saying... Uh, you know the the Super League that, that 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 disappeared straight away. It didn't disappear due to self regulation. It didn't mm. disappear due to chief executives of football clubs being opposed to it. It disappeared because the fans of all the c- clubs in this country came together and said, "This is our sport. We are stakeholders in football. You are trying to steal." And we know, yeah, come you and I know. Kevin, the chances of Brighton or Palace getting to the the Champions League are close to zero, but there still is a chance, and uh, that's why even the fans of Chelsea and Liverpool and Manchester United, who would have benefited from guaranteed participation in this competition, came together because they still mm. believe in the romance of football, whereas the likes of Kinnear and, and so on. Who are now claiming that it was all down to them is uh, are just talking balderdash. Mm. So yeah, he he's made these comments. Um, I I did my calculations, um, and and Leeds United. You know, he's saying you know, the private sector is absolutely fantastic. Leeds United have lost two hundred and ninety million pounds this century. Mm. Yeah, that's that's not a, that's not a testament to a, a, a well-run mm. business. Um, Leeds United have been in administration twice due to mismanagement. So, you know, perhaps having some form of regulator. I work in the education industry. We are subject to regulation. I've also worked in the finance industry. The finance industry is subject to regulation. If you look at the NFL, which is a very successful sports business, that has that has a general manager, that has a commissioner, that has a form of regulation as well. So um, to say that regulation shouldn't be taking place I think it's very, very harsh. He he then likens it to uh, Offwat and Offcom. Regulators aren't perfect, and, you know, and in fact, you know, if they are weak and they, uh, they then they are then they're worse than nothing. But there's mm. no reason why this cannot be a success. And the the sneery comments about how would a uh, civil servant know about well. How to how to run the in, the football industry, but we don't know whether the the person in charge is going to be a civil servant. Mm. So stick that in your pipe, Angus. 
<laughs> I, was, I wasn't expecting that to be your closing remark. It was like being at the Oxford Debating Society until that bit. Um, th- three things off the back of that, Kieran, um, uh, and you did very well because I just threw that in because I, I saw that as I was literally making my cup of tea to come out. Um, close to zero, I, I would take those odds. They're, yes, they're, yes, they're quite good odds. Um, <laughs> I always thought that the mind. I always thought that theatre, theatre should be subject to a regulator, and of course they'd have to call it off stage. Um, <laughs> and also the whole thing. These comments, the Maoist comments. People always say to me, "Why are you, why are you so keen on people learning history?" It's so people have enough educational context not to make comments yeah. about. Like that, you know, not to make comments about the Holocaust and about Chairman Mao. It's, it just really annoys me when people don't have a basic grasp of world history. Um, BAFTA have definitely drifted off now, haven't they? <laughs> uh, we didn't win. We, by the way, those of you who aren't aware, we haven't we haven't mentioned it yet because we didn't win. I wouldn't say we're sulking, but um, uh, yes, yeah, so those, those, yeah, the plucky <laughs> underdogs from the Athletic with their one point two million subscribers, <laughs> one hundred and sixty million pounds worth of external funding, somehow yeah. beat us. As did Gary oh, yeah. Neville. I don't yeah. know. I've never heard of him. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, in, a, in an award, it's given based on the number of votes. I know, but to be fair, the Baroness did win the Drinking Most White Wine Award. <laughs> she uh, did. So she, she did. Have, she did. She held her end up very well there. Um, Speaking of the Premier League, now there's been growing unease, Kieran, you sense about cryptocurrencies generally. And the Premier League is now a place to investigate the links between clubs and cryptocurrency companies. What are they worried about? Um, they are worried about a number of issues. First of all, cryptocurrencies are unregulated. So the irony is, is, is now into the red. Um, <laughs> Cryptocurrencies as an alternative payment mechanism to using banks, because um, yeah, I, I do some work overseas, and yeah, the clients when they try to pay, yeah, the amounts that you get charged by banks for transferring money from one country to another are quite ludicrous. So right. yeah, the, the, the banks are the banks are screwing people over. So cryptocurrencies, in theory. Um, could be a far cheaper, a far more efficient, a far quicker system to transfer money internationally. So that that actually has some merit. The problem with cryptocurrencies is that they are being marketed as an investment product. And if you've got an investment product, you can make a lot of money and you can lose a lot of money as well. Um, and also when you combine these with the, the NFTs, which again, if, if people want to collect online virtual playing cards of footballers great fantastic you know it's it, it's it's a new form of panini and if you want to do it great but Just again, they, this is this is non-fungible non-fungible current. tokens that's right yes. but again they are being marketed as investment products you can make a lot of money the only way you can make make a lot of money is if a lot of other people lose a lot of money and we saw that with football index so, so that's why the the Premier League is is now. Um, it seems to be taking a step back and saying, "Hold on, we are being used as a marketing tool for some of these products, and if it all goes wrong, then we're going to look very silly." And, and yeah, we, we we've covered the issues in respect to Manchester City and Barcelona recently. Um, fan groups are concerned again, linked to marketing, cryptocurrencies. Is it's betting with a small b, and and it's a, it's a 
is it is it a gateway to more other forms of gambling? I'm not so sure about that, but the the, the blur in lines, but yeah, yeah, because you and I, we we could go and become currency dealers, Kevin. There's nothing to stop us or, or going into oil trading. Um, there's absolutely nothing to stop us doing that. But we wouldn't do that because you know we we both consider ourselves to be idiots in terms of things like that. We don't have enough knowledge, and therefore you know we we steer clear. Well, exactly the same should be the case in respect to cryptocurrencies. You don't know enough what's going on, and they mm. are markets which are very, very easy to manipulate as well because large, large tranches of those currencies are held in the hands of very few people who can therefore move the markets up and down at their will. Mm. Uh, also, for one of us, uh, a lack of capital with which to invest is a problem, Kieran. Um <laughs> It's funny as well, isn't it, that I remember the word fungible in non-fungible tokens, but forgot tokens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> fungible seems to have stuck for some reason. Um, Rochdale fans have had a, a, a few concerning months, basically, but it seems, hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, that they appear to have seen off a hostile takeover of the club. Yes, I think this is this is fantastic news, and I think we've been we've been covering the story, and we've had people from Rochdale on the show. Um, they 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 put out a, a, effectively a press release uh, a few days ago, and some of the Rochdale fans have been in contact, uh, and the, the 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 potential takeover by Morton House, I think, is is now it is is it's as dead as a Norwegian blue, um, and you know that is. Uh, Excellent news as, as far as as the club are concerned. I think the club's very proud of its history and heritage, um, like in terms of the fact that it has never had a single owner, uh, and it's issued a, a large number of shares to fans. That's constantly diluted the influence of Morton House, um, and they, you know, they, they in this press release they thanked a lot of people. They, we were kind enough to 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 mention the podcast as well. We 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 were we're not part of the organisation. We're just there to try to give publicity, to give a vehicle, to give a voice to to fans who are concerned about what's happening at their club. Uh, but great, and for every Rochdale fan who found a few quid to buy those shares hat doffed in your direction because you're not going to get rich on the back of this this isn't like cryptocurrencies where somebody's going to try to persuade you the value is going to go up or down you are doing it because you love your club and you're you're putting a few quid in to take the the power and influence of those people whose intentions are they're not not they're not the intentions of the average person of rochdale when it comes mm. when it came to that club so yeah huge respect to them also gives hope to fans of clubs like oldham who are going through similar worries. Um, and I'm, it's it's lovely that they thanked us in the press release. But, you know, we spoke to Rochdale fans, Swindon, Wigan, Oldham. We will publicise any club and, any, in fact, the attempt by any fans to, to save their club, to influence their club for the better. So if, if you're worried at your club at whatever level, let us know and we'll do whatever we can to to publicise it and to, to help you and point you in the direction of people who can help you financially as well. Um this next news story, Kieran, for older football fans, they will be baffled that it's actually a news story. Um, uh, and Brentford are going to wear their current home kit for a second season. Imagine that, Kieran. I mean, <laughs> Palace, Palace, it's a bit of a myth that clubs wore the same kit for decades long. They, you know, clubs are always tweaking to an extent. Palace changed their kits. 
most years, most weeks with Malcolm Allison. But, but <laughs> Brentford, it's amazing. My, it's, my dad, God love him, God rest him. His favourite, his favourite Palace manager, Malcolm Allison, is like, Daddy got us relegated twice. He said, "I oh, know, but he was in a bath with that page three girl." <laughs> Think of the publicity, Dad relegated twelve. But he was right though. We never had more attention than when Malcolm yes. Allison was manager. Um, but Burnley have cited two reasons: the, the economic. <laughs> Is that Finley going in or coming out? He's just he's just coming in with a wonky jump. Yes. Is it, oh, what did, oh, sorry, I told shouldn't, us not to keep that, mentioning said that. We jokingly, we jokingly said perhaps wonky jumps could sponsor us. He said, why would they sponsor us? We're already they're getting free publicity out of it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brentford cited two reasons. Um, one, cost to fans, and, and two, sustainability, which is uh, interesting to see a Premier League club taking that seriously. We were hoping to uh, be talking to Dale Vince today, the owner of... Uh, Forest Green Rovers, the greenest club in the world. Unfortunately, he's um, unable to talk to us. We'll be talking to him in a week or so. But it's good that a Premier League team are talking about sustainability. Yes, it is. Um, The launch of football kits has become a thing these days. Mm. It it is. Mm. And... The commercial departments, which which are driving these, you know, they will have the big social media campaigns. If you if you take a look at a club such as Manchester United, they they generate around about eighty million pounds a year from merchandise sales. If, if you take a look at uh, Celtic and Rangers, yeah, they're, they're Celtic, I think, are close to twenty million. So yeah, it clearly is a a significant impact uh, in terms of the club's overall finances, but. Um, from a sustainability perspective, they they yeah, let's face it, the quality is never great of a football kit, but it, mm. but it does last far more than twenty washes. Um, so so why are they bringing them out every season? It is being driven by money, um, and we're also seeing clubs not just change the home kit each season, but they've now decided to change the the, the two alternative kits as well. So it, there's a lot of there's a lot of effort going into generating extra revenue um, and, and the manufacturers are making money out of it the clubs are making manu- money out of it it's not great from a sustainability point of view but Brentford have said and fair play to them and, and, I, and I met Billy the Bee from Brentford uh, nice. at the who's an absolutely brilliant guy nice lad fant- isn't he yeah, oh yeah fantastic yeah. fantastic um, and, and he says yeah, he's just so proud of his club and mm. this is their, their first season in the Premier League the club have said yeah, we we if we brought out a new kit next season, and I think some other clubs have said similar. Yeah, we could make a bit more money, but compared to the money, yeah, the different it's actually less money than the difference between finishing fifteenth and sixteenth in in the division. Mm. So um, we we want to say to to fans as a thank you to you you've been Brentford through thick and thin. The last thing we're going to try to do is to rinse you in in another six to eight months with with a new home kit. So and, mm. and fair play to them. It's a shame that. Other clubs don't take that same approach because it was only five or six years ago that clubs, all the clubs in the Premier League, would say you buy this kit and you get two years worth of wear out of it. Because mm. if you are if you are parents and you've got you know you've got a couple of kids, the, the, the costs soon mac, you know, rack up uh, for, for change. You know because they the kids want not just the home kit and uh, you know it, it's a very very pricey affair. Yeah, I think I don't know if I, I told this story out loud, Kieran, or if I just said it to you. But as you know, the Father Frank, the priest who took my dad's funeral, uh, ended it by revealing beneath his cassock uh, a palace shirt with a picture of the Virgin Mary on it, 
Uh, I can't explain the context. It will take too long, but it was looked rather good. So I've been trying to persuade the commercial department at Sellers Park that there must be enough Catholic Palace fans for them to produce a range of Palace shirts with the Virgin Mary on it. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, you've, been, you've been sponsored by Virgin before, yeah, haven't you? I, I've, I've pointed this out to them. Just yeah, get, yeah. get the old 1990 shirts out with Virgin on and just whack the word Mary underneath. <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of people, but I know at least 30 people. 30 is probably not enough for a massive production. <laughs> right? but, you know, it's, it's an idea. Um, now, Burnley's game against Spurs was called off uh, at rather short notice um, through you – know, Weather reasons, to be fair, yeah. Uh, but that a lot of Spurs fans are on the way, and it costs Spurs fans a lot of money. And while we're on the subject, Kieran, it can't be beyond the wit of man or the Premier League to not send Palace fans to Leeds at eight fifteen on a Tuesday night, or Norwich fans to Newcastle. It's just they've got to work. We've we talked about this so many times, Kieran, and Tottenham fans having to get to Burnley for two o'clock is is bad enough. Yeah. You know, yep. I almost think it's about time we made the Premier League regional, Kieran. Well, just, just let let the North and the North they can have their own league. We'll have, or, let's, or, or perhaps have some form of regulator who listens no. <laughs> to the concerns of fans. It's, um, and uh, you know takes this into consideration it, when decisions are being made with regards to uh, matches and when they're played. Of course, or who looks at the computer when it, when it prints out the fixture list in June and just um, just get a, a man or a woman or a four-year-old child to look at it and go, well, that's not good, is it? Sending uh, Brighton to Newcastle on a Tuesday night. Let's change that to Saturday at three o'clock. And then telling the broadcasters to have a bit of concern for football fans. It's just, uh, anyway, I mean, Tottenham fans must have been furious. I mean, I know it can't be helped because the snowstorm arrived almost out of nowhere. But it's, I mean, not only did it cost them their money for that game, but they've got to go again and pay again. Yeah, so I mean, they'll be able to use the tickets for the second match, yeah. and I'm hoping that they will be give, they will be given the option of a refund. And this is something we've discussed on on more than one occasion. As football fans, we we buy into the modern day football experience, but if kickoff times are being moved, the idea that we just you know click our fin- fingers, grab our ankles, and say, "Okay, yeah, it, you know, three o'clock on Saturday is now being changed to seven forty-five on a Friday or a Monday night or, or Sunday mm. lunchtime," we do have other things in our lives over the course of those you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and you know you might be going to a concert ticket, you might you might be going away, you might be doing something with your family, and it, it's becoming also, um, and, and I'm going to call out my club on this. It becomes in, they they made it increasingly difficult to transfer those tickets to somebody mm. else. Mm. Um, so, you know, we sign up in good faith. We are now expected to acquiesce to a football match taking place at any time over a four-day period over the weekend um, with no complaint. And if you if you can't make it, well, yeah, the club's already got your money, tough. I'm firmly of the belief that if a match is is moved from three o'clock to, to on the Saturday to another kickoff time, I, I would I would do my damnedest to go and still go and see that match because I, I love my club and it's it's part mm. of you know part of my you know the culture that we all buy you know, we all have as football fans. But that you should be given, let's say, fourteen days once the ch- once the kickoff times have been changed to say to the club, can't make it, put my ticket up for uh, redistribution. And if if they can't if they, and if they can't resell it, then you get then you get a refund. Mm. Um, 
and I don't, I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation. The other issue, um, I, I went on to the National Rail website, and um, what we have seen, and this is not a party political comment, what we, what we have seen recently is that the rail companies have significantly reduced the number of advance tickets that are mm. available. So, you know, again, when, when matches used to come out, the, the, the advance tickets go on sale 16 weeks in advance. But, of course, you, I can't book uh, a ticket for a match in, in February because I don't know when the kickoff's going to take place. So, therefore, I have to wait until Sky and BT and the Premier League deign to let me know um, and of course, by then, because there's so many, uh, there's, there's so many fewer advance tickets, you can't get them. And if you want to go from Burnley to Spurs, it's a hundred and one pounds on the trains. Mm. Now, again, sustainability is that's absolutely ludicrous. Because what cause what will happen is you get three blokes, four blokes say, mm. "Well, let's just go and take a car." Mm. Um, it works out a lot cheaper, and, and and it's absolutely dumb. And I do think again, either the the Premier League should say we're in talks with rail companies to try to take this into consideration, um, or the rail companies themselves ought to stop being as sneaky as as they are being. Because yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a regular rail traveller trying to get up and down the country as a football fan, and that's mm. that's my preferred mode of transport because I because it is cheaper. Yeah, well, no, it's not cheaper. It's become more expensive. But it, for, from a sustainability, from an environmental point of view, and also from an enjoyment point of view, you're sitting mm. around with three or four of your mates, you're having a giggle, um, you could have a few drinks if that's what you want to do, and it's it's safer as well. All of that is thrown out of the window because everybody is trying to, is, everybody's trying to, 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 to rinse football fans. <clears throat> or, of course, you could do what we often do, is get a train very early in the morning, which tends to be cheaper. But then, of course, you spend more money on beer because you get somewhere three hours before kickoff. But um, I, I felt for Villa fans on Saturday because Southern Railway, for about the third time this year, decided to do engineering work. So there were no trains at all from from Victoria to Thornton Heath or Sellhurst, which are the stations for, for Crystal Palace. Yeah. So it becomes almost impossible for Villa fans who won't, a lot of them won't know their way around London. So instead of just getting a train down to Euston, a couple of tube stops to Victoria and a 20 minute train ride, their only option was to get to London bridge, which if you don't know London, they're going to be confused about. Otherwise they can't, they're going to have to leave an extra two hours to get from Birmingham to to London. It can't be beyond the wit of Southern Railway to, to check whether there's a home game at Crystal Palace. You know, 5,000 of the Palace fans will use that route to get there. Mm. And the, the thing about redistributing, you should be able to redistribute your own ticket. If the if the kickoff time has changed and you can't get there, you should have the right to say, anyone you just go to WhatsApp group. Anyone need a ticket? Anyone got a mate who needs a ticket? This nonsense that you have to go to the club and give your ticket back to the club for them to redistribute it. Oh, mate, we're getting very angry today, Kieran, aren't we? Must be <laughs> yeah, yeah. soapbox. No. Yeah. Um, the bad we've we've been talking about Tranmere Rovers a lot recently and how good they are as a club. But this is some bad news for them. Part of the main stand roof blew off because of Storm Arwen at Prenton Park, and it's one of those stories, Kieran. It's 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 almost comical when you hear it. But I remember back in the day, famously, the roof at Stoke blew off the stand, 
and they had to use money they'd put aside for transfers to to rebuild the stand, and it eventually led to them getting relegated. So it's it's nothing comical about this story at all, is it? No, no. I, I mean, to be fair, I'm sure Mark and Nicola and and the rest of the team at Tranmere that they they've got they've got insurance, so that will be covered. But there mm. still will have been significant costs for them because mm. the stewards will have you know the stewards will have started a shift. Um, they will they will have uh, you know the the programs. I appreciate. Program sales are pretty minuscule these days. You know, that that's that's going to be a bit of a problem. Um, knowing Tranmere, you know, they will have bought their catering in advance, but they will have redistributed it to good causes. So, you know, mm-hmm. some people some people would have benefited, but it, it is the, the precarious nature of modern day football, um, and, and these things can still happen. Yeah, you know, it was a pretty pretty stormy storm, um, and uh, you know, I just hope everybody is is safe there because because they're, they're one of the good guys in football. They are. It must have been terrifying as well. Always, um, as, again, it's, it's one of my dad's sayings: "You can't beat the weather," which is yeah. probably true. And he also said, "You can't, you can't beat the sea," which is not true. I just come back from Hong Kong, which is basically built by keeping the sea back quite a long way. But once, once he had an idea in his head, like I say, the goalkeeper's gloves, the sea, the weather. Um, so yeah, good, good luck to Tramere, and I, I hope any any people who were around when it happened who were over there shock when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. And this next story is no shock. The amazing shock about this next story, Kieran, is it hasn't happened years ago. Uh, Italian financial crime authorities have opened an investigation into Juventus's transfer profits. Yeah, I, th- I find this so strange because, yeah, Andrea Agnelli, the man who tried to save football, and he's still <laughs> trying to save football, by concentrating money in the game in the hands of just a few clubs. Um, he's, the, uh, you know, he's the owner of uh, Juventus. Um, and, and it's not just Juventus; it, it is uh, it is some other Italian football clubs as well. But the reason why the focus has been on Juventus is that Juventus's shares are traded on the stock exchange and therefore are subject to a higher degree of regulation and scrutiny than those of other clubs. <laughs> funny, that's funny, isn't it? Um, so. Um, 
I just uh, you can't. It's impossible to tune in halfway through a podcast, isn't it? It's possible to tune out halfway through a podcast, as we <laughs> yes. discovered. That I just can anybody tuning in halfway through would wonder why I was laughing so much at you saying it's, it's the Italian stock exchange is regulated. Oh, okay, that's hilarious. I must have missed something. <laughs> So, so this this is linked to 282 million euros worth of deals for players like Arthur, Cancelo, uh, Oziman, um, and some of these deals involve player swaps. Mm. And the, the problem that we have here is, first of all, how much is a player worth? Well, the thing is, there isn't a right answer. So therefore, it comes down to the negotiation between two clubs. And also... Here we've got a problem caused by the accountants. When you sell a footballer, 100% of that profit is booked immediately. But when you buy a player, the cost, as we know from your favourite word, amortisation, the mm-hmm. cost is spread over the life of the contract. So you put those two factors together. If I want to boost my profits in the short term, what I'll do is I've got a player worth $10 million, You've got a player worth 10 million. We phone each other up and say, let's do a quick swap. And we will put that deal through as 50 million pounds sale price for both clubs. So we've got a huge profit on the deal. Yes, it's going to cost us some more amortization, but that amortization is not going to come through and fully for the next four or five years. So on a short term, you you get the same as, as a caffeine boost. You know, you, you get that you get that immediate hit, that immediate high as far as your profits are concerned. Mm. And and some people say that this is what Derby County were doing to you know at, at a much greater extreme. Um, yeah, but that that person would have to be a cynic, and, and as we've established, I'm not a cynic. Mm. Um, and and therefore, what's happened now is that the the financial police that are connected to the Italian stock exchange have looked at some of these deals um and their their job is to protect uh is, is to protect shareholders just like you know for example an independent regulator in football would be there to protect football <laughs> yeah. fans um, yeah. um and that's that's why this has taken place there's talks of wiretaps you know it's all it's all getting you know quite uh, yeah, I think there's a movie to be made here mm. on the back of it um but when it comes to footballers and and profits and manipulation. And again, I'm, I'm not blowing my trumpet. This this was in my things to, things to worry about red flag section of my book. Yeah. Um, and, and all of this is, is is known about in the world of finance, but it's trying to get it across to a broader audience to say you if if, if something looks too good to be true, it normally is mm. not true, mm. and that's why we need to have some form of care and uh, due, due care and attention to the way that football clubs are conducting themselves. What are the potential outcomes here, Kieran, if the Italian financial crime authorities do uncover wrongdoing or misaccountancy? Uh, uh, are we talking about prison here? Are we talking about fines? Are we talking about slaps on the wrist? Do we know? Well, it, it's it's most likely that um, that the club could be uh, the club could be prosecuted but also individuals within the club could be prosecuted. And the most likely person is going to be the, the financial controller, um, you know, the, the, the qualified finance mm. person, accounting person. Um, if our experience of the FCA, the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK here, is anything to go by, um, it will end up as a slap on the wrist because things right. either get watered down or 
um, the club and its employees will get the backing of some very very skillful lawyers mm. who will will get them off. Um, you know the the lack of success of the FCA in in preventing financial crime in this country is a big cause for concern. But but that's that's for a, a different podcast. That's for a different subject. Mm. I've got enough on my plate, Kieran, without adding that to my list of concerns. If you don't mind. I'll leave that. I'll leave that one to you for the moment. If that's all right. right yeah. um, <laughs> Bayern Munich's recent annual general meeting descended into chaos. It says here, chaos, Kieran. Yes, uh, if, if anybody's seen the, uh, I think this is probably up on YouTube. It's certainly been tweeted around. Um, Bayern Munich have an ongoing uh, sponsorship deal with Qatar Airways, mm. and um, German fans tend to be more organised than fans mm. in the UK. Uh, it, they tend to be more militant. They tend mm. to be more political. And um, they have not been happy about this deal, which I think was initially signed in 2016, um, since it since initially took place in, in respect of their concerns about human rights. Now, is an airline involved in human rights abuses? No. So, you know, the, the club will say, we've got a deal with a private company. That, that gives us money. We give them publicity. As far as we're concerned... The airline is not in, you know, is, is not connected to mm. to any of these allegations. Um, the fans say you are it, it it's you, you judge you judge a man by the quality of his friends, um, and, and therefore we don't we don't want to be associated with um, effectively, which is a state owned airline, mm. and therefore we we want you to to cancel the the uh, the sponsorship arrangement. Um, and one of the great things about German football, as we've already established, is that individual fans can be shareholders. They've got the 50 plus one rule. And there was a lot of people attending the uh, AGM and then they just booed. And it, <laughs> and, it, and, 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 it, and it wasn't like Brighton fans at home to Leeds. It, it wasn't just <laughs> wasn't just a few. It was it was some pretty universal booing. And they they gave the board. Uh, who were trying to justify this? They gave them absolutely pelters, mm. and effectively, it just it did descend into chaos and farce, and uh, lots of lots of very very angry uh, people. Um, so you know, fan, fan representation, the fans' voice held at board level. One of the uh, one of the recommendations of the mm. independent <laughs> uh, <laughs> report by Tracy Crouch and her team. Um, but you know, that's uh, you know that. That to me is descending into Maoism. It's um, or not. It's a, and I, it, and I, actually I shouldn't have said that because that's that's making. No, no, you said it. You, you know, it was, given the context of those comments, Kieran, I think that's a perfectly justifiable use then because you are ironically exactly. referring. You, you are ironically referring back to something that okay. was said uh, before. So your comment was based on the comment by the Leeds fan, um, fan um, exec. Um, it's a strange one from Bayern Munich, Kieran, because they are, without any doubt, one of the biggest, most successful clubs in the world. And you would imagine there would be many, many giant companies queuing up to sponsor them. So the sensible thing would seem to be to say, well, okay, we've listened to the fans. Um, possibly we shouldn't have got into this relationship in the first place. We'll pay whatever it takes to to get out of this. And then we'll just make the next sponsorship a bit more expensive to to, to cover that loss, wouldn't you? Yep, yep. And uh, I'm sure, you know, I'd say Bayern, iconic club. You, know, you and I both remember uh, them winning the, the European Cup in the 70s when they oh, were a yeah, magnificent team. Yeah. Um, and uh, they are 
uh, you know, financially su- superbly, su- you know, su- superbly run. Um, and they're, and they're clearly they're very successful in the Bundesliga on the back of that, and and they're partially owned by by Adidas and Volkswagen and and, and so on. Yeah, they, they've got big shareholders or big minority shareholders from uh, from the corporate world in Germany as well. Mm. A Cambodian prince's attempt to buy French club Saint Etienne has turned into a bit of a farce. Yes, uh, this is uh, Novodin Ravichak, who I think is the nephew of uh, the Cambodian leader and um, he 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 tried to buy Saint-Étienne um, he, he claimed to have put down a 100 million euro deposit as Whoa. a as a sign of good faith uh, a couple of months ago and it, it then turned out that this could have been a forged uh, piece of paper yeah it's a bit like those checks that Producer guy sometimes send us, which uh, <laughs> which which are written in invisible ink, um, and, and therefore, yeah, forgery. Uh, now accusations of fraud. Um, there, there's a Singapore company which he was basing, you know, in which he was using as a vehicle to acquire Saint Etienne. That company appeared to be sort of manned by you know, two men and a dog, um, and has subsequently disappeared. So, yeah, very very farcical. Um, and I think for those those uh, fans of Saint Etienne who um, were hoping that he was going to turn into a sugar daddy, because let, mm. let's be face it, let, yeah, we're all we're all fans, we're all hypocrites as football fans. Yeah, we say, mm. oh yeah, we want a sustainable club. Yeah, we yeah, we want to we want the club to go forward in an organic way and and uh, uh, and in a measured way. No, we don't. We want we want somebody to come in and and spare yeah. five hundred million pounds on a new centre forward and a couple of a couple of decent midfield players. Yeah. Um, so those Saint Etienne fans that have got their hopes up, I think those hopes are going to be dashed. Um, but it does show that that football. It, it it is very much like a, a flame to the moths of Rongans in the sense that they are attracted to the game because of the glamour, because of the kudos, um, and sadly, it's you know it's not just this country in which these things happen. We we are hypocrites, Kieran, because not only do we want uh, a sugar daddy or a sugar mummy or a sugar person to come in and spaff, as you say, five hundred million pounds to get us into the Champions League, we complain when it happens to another club. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't yeah, want that's, we, we that's don't petty want, jealousy. Yes. Exactly, we don't want Newcastle getting it. We want it. Basically, uh, it's 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 a shame, Kieran. I think that um, our younger listeners will be googling the word check now, wondering what is what's she talking yes. about right this year. And Invisible Ink as well. well. That's going to come as a shock to some of our young ink. <laughs> First of all, we've got to explain what ink is to them, and then you've got to explain what Invisible Ink is to them. It's a, it's a pleasing – Invisible Ink just makes me laugh. It's a pleasing carry-on spying type thing, isn't it? <laughs> we've done it in Invisible Ink. Um, and finally, Kieran, another, another, yet another small victory for you and your fellow colourblind fans this week. Yeah, well, we, we've already mentioned um, Rochdale once, uh, but what I'd also like to do is to give a big shout out to their opponents in the uh, in the match this weekend, uh, Plymouth. Uh, Rochdale play in blue. Uh, Plymouth play famously in green. Fantastic yeah. kit and uh, support yeah, sponsored by Ginsters, um, and uh, they, they've become aware. Oh yeah, we, we've got friends at. at at Plymouth, and they they become aware through, through uh, uh, Catherine Catherine Albany Ward, who we've had yes. on the show, um, yes. and also some some high profile colourblind fans who who moan about it quite a bit uh, on social media. 
that uh, there were problems. And, and Brighton's match uh, against Leeds uh, on Saturday was sadly yet another example. Mm. Uh, we played in blue and white stripes, but we've got a, an all blue back to the shirts, blue shorts. Uh, Leeds, Leeds decided to play in lavender. Now, mm. I, I don't know what lavender is. To mm. me, it just looked blue. Mm. Um, and even the Baroness um, couldn't, you know, she said, yes, I can tell them apart, but it's not easy. Mm. And, and this is the crazy thing about colorblindness. We've got football clubs who are spending millions of pounds recruiting players, millions of pounds making sure that their the pitches on in their training grounds are exactly the same dimensions as that as the first team pitch. Mm-hmm. They are getting specialist coaches for throw-ins, specialist coaches for goalkeepers when they're passing the ball to the back four. And yet the one thing they don't give a hoot about mm. is their players being able to identify teammates, something which will cost you next to nothing to deal with. And it is a genuine problem. And, um, you know, 8% of males are, are colorblind. That means in any one football match, you've got, Probably two players, potentially three players in on in the in the in the you know in the in the thirty in the thirty eight thirty six um, man squad uh, of both clubs who are going to be colourblind. Can you identify your teammates? Yes, you can. Can you do it instantly? Can you do it as quickly as if you've got one club in red and one club in white? Possibly not, and it costs. It can be ending up the cl- costing the clubs money because they've not thought this through. Um, so but, it's but, it's crazy. Yeah. But Ply- Plymouth have agreed to play in white mm. against Rochdale. They put this out as part of their colour blindness commitment. And uh, again, hat once again doffed uh, for two clubs who are just doing a little bit, which makes a big difference to football fans. And it's a little bit that doesn't take a lot of doing. That's the thing. No. Yeah. It's a very simple thing to do. And although as the worrying thing about that, as Catherine pointed out, and she was a wonderful guest, and it really was eye-opening for me, who's not colourblind and therefore can't take it as seriously as I should, unfortunately. But as she pointed out, the chances are that the colourblind players haven't revealed that anyway because they've, they've kept that to themselves because they're worried it might impact their career as it inevitably probably would do. It's going to be, you know, a lot of clubs would say we don't want a player who's who's colourblind, so they keep it to themselves. And that's that's why she pointed out that some she she wouldn't name names quite rightly so, but there's some high profile transfers recently where the player simply hasn't done as well as expected at his new club and it's because the kit clashes, basically. So yeah, that's it is a serious it's a serious issue, but well done Plymouth. And again it's one of those clubs you would expect nothing less from. Um, and well done Rochdale as well because it's such a simple thing to do and also explaining to the rest of us why you're doing it as well adds a little bit more to our knowledge I'm going right back to the very first story about why you should know about history the more you tell other fans about colour blindness the more they go oh okay we'll, we'll, we'll keep that in mind when we're wondering why a mate of ours is racing for a red light as you as you sometimes do <laughs> yes, yes, I do. I mean, I, I, I cannot tell red traffic lights from orange and yellow street lights. So sometimes, if I'm on a long road and there are traffic lights, I, I won't see them. 
Yes, one of the very many reasons I won't get in a car with you, Kieran. Uh, <laughs> although the soundtrack, the music's always good. <laughs> yes, it is. If you would like to make a small monthly contribution to our always free-to-air pod, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, on our Monday pod, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell, but not before I wish you good luck on your journey to London today, Kieran, and your game against West Ham tonight. That's that's very kind of you. Very from gracious a, from of a Crystal you, Palace fan. Yeah, from a Crystal Palace fan who's still really, really sulky and angry about last night. <laughs> well, well, my neighbour Grant, who is a Palace fan, he went there last night, and he's I, I can I can just he's he's completely dedicated. He isn't missed a match for seven years, home or away. Uh, yeah, and and he'll he's pretty pretty choked today, uh, understandably yeah, so. But he lives in Sussex as well. That's you know he goes to every home and away game. But that's brilliant. But he lives in Sussex. Oh, really? Okay. It doesn't. One of one of he's still in credit here, and he's still just in credit. He's, I'm sure he's a lovely fellow, but you know, living in Sussex deliberately right. as well, voluntarily. <laughs> well, uh, thanks again for all your feedback, folks. Um, if you uh, if you want to give some good karma. Um, and uh, free karma as well. All you have to do is to go onto the Apple app, hit that purple icon, and uh, if you give us a little review, uh, if yeah, ideally with five stars, that that does help. Yeah, we, <laughs> we um, apparently we've, we've been getting a bit of criticism from some of our American listeners uh, recently that, uh, that we're trying too hard to be funny. We're just we're just <laughs> two we? blokes. Just, <laughs> this is the way blokes talk in the UK. We we cannot take ourselves too seriously. And and Kevin is a professional comedian. That's why that's why it's a funny show. It's um, my job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but if you can give us a review, doesn't matter what you say. It it just helps drive us up the charts and uh, helps us in in terms of negotiating uh, to get to get as many guests on the show and, and we wish Dale, uh, uh Dale Vince at, uh, at FGR, uh, you know, hope, he, hope he is in a good state and we look forward to having a chat to him soon as well. Cheerio. Bye bye everybody. I'll tell you what, let's do Kieran. We'll do a special pod just for the Americans, which is just about football finance. We'll have no references to seventies TV, punk rock, dogs, wonky chomps, drunk wives. And I don't think I'd enjoy it as much. I think it'll probably last about 15 minutes as well. Yeah, it'd last about two weeks, Kieran. That's all it would do. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. I'm for the